You are now listening to the Double Say Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Nicosia. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Double Say Sports Podcast. I'm Justin Nicosia, and I'm joined by a new guest, Mr. Jack Heenan. How are you today, sir? I'm glad. I'm good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Good to have you here. Today, we're going to be previewing the National League East Division. The NL East is going to be one of the most difficult divisions in all of baseball this year. And we're going to be reviewing every single team this year. We're going to give you an MVP, an X-Factor, and a Cy Young for each of the teams. And then at the end, we're going to be going over our picks for the division. And we're going to predict each team how they do this year. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Let's start with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves had a pretty interesting offseason this year. They added Cole Hamels, Felix Hernandez, although he's going to be opting out for the season. Uh, they also added Marcelo Zuna, Tyler Flowers, and a couple other players. Excuse me, Tyler Flowers just a re-sign. Uh, but on the flip side, they lost Josh Donaldson. They lost Dallas Keuchel. They lost Julio Tehran. Sir Heenan, what do you think of these different moves that they had this offseason? I think the Braves had a typical Atlanta Braves offseason. They just plugged and replaced guys they had trying to rebuild the team they had last year that honestly embarrassed themselves in game fives of the NLDS. But I think they made some good moves. They strengthened their bullpen with Will Smith, even though he is sadly has coronavirus right now. So he's kind of up in the air for opening day. But overall, their moves should have them towards the top of the NL East once again. Now, something that's going to be really big about where they finish in the NL East is where Will Smith and Freddie Freeman come healthy because they have that first series against the New York Mets and the New York Mets are going to be up there in the division as well. We could be very well be looking at the end of September and have a race between the Mets, the Nationals and the Braves for the start of the, for the top of this division. If the two guys I just mentioned, Freeman and Smith are healthy by opening day, that's going to be a huge advantage for the Braves because those two guys can put these, this team over the edge. I totally agree. I think now with this short and 60-game season, every single game is super, super important. So I know you can't rush having people back, especially dealing with coronavirus, but they need – the Braves desperately need Will Smith and Freddie Freeman 100% healthy, ready to go come opening day. So it's going to be a storyline to follow in these next two weeks, building up for the season for sure. All right, so let's talk about how these, this team did last year. Last year, the Braves, you know, they made the playoffs, but in the first 60 games of last year, they had gone 33-27. and 27. Mm-hmm. Since they had gone 33-27, and 27, that still would have put them at the top of the NL East, but they tied at the NL East. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in the first 60 games of this season, especially against Eastern opponents. Yeah, I think, I think the Braves have just been really slept on the past few years. Every every preview show for the past, I feel like, two years, no one's picking them to win. And they, year in, year out, they're always towards the top. So I think this year, again, they're a little bit slept on for reasons like we talked about Will Smith and Freddie Freeman being up in the air. But, I mean, if they're 100% healthy, I expect nothing less for them to be towards the top. And we're going to get into our specific predictions later in the episode. We don't want to yeah, spoil any of that for you right spoilers. now. Yep. But let's talk about how good this team's rotation is. You have Mike Fultonowicz, you have Max Freed, you have Mike Soroka, and you also have 
uh, Cole Hamels. Yep. This rotation is going to be one of the best in the uh, National League East, and you've got teams like the Mets and the Nationals who also have fantastic rotations. And I think this one is perhaps the strongest and most well-rounded. Yeah, their rotation one through five is very solid. I think Kuki Toussaint is an interesting guy to watch for that rotation, even though he's also tested positive towards the beginning of testing for coronavirus. So if he's ready to go and he's, you can plug him in for the five slot, they should be, that rotation should be very solid. And if they do have him in the rotation, uh, that does give him a little bit extra time to get healthy from the coronavirus if he isn't there mm-hmm. on opening day because you could plug him in at the five spot and don't have to worry about him missing a start in that case. Yeah, for sure. If he's ready to go, I expect him to be the number five going into opening day. Now, the thing that I'm pretty sure almost anyone can agree on is the fact that this team is just so young that it's absolutely mind-blowing. You have the duo of Ronald Cunha and Ozzie Albies that are top 10 players at their position in the league, if not top five, especially mm-hmm. Acuna. Yep. And they also have Dansby Swanson at shortstop. He's still 26 years old. And they even got Camargo this past year. Yeah, they're the face of the let the kids play movement in my book. I mean, they got, like you said, Albies, Acuna, Camargo, Swanson. They're fun guys to watch. It's annoying it is to see them kill the Mets because I'm a Mets fan of course but they're just exciting players to watch they have fun playing the game and those four guys should be around for a while having success in the league that creates a very top heavy part of the lineup but even when you get lower in the lineup you have Adam Duvall who was in the home run derby a couple years ago you have the catch and do of Travis Sarno Tyler Flowers this lineup is so potent all the way around where even if you get the lineup should be very good but I think they're going to they're going to miss Nick Markakis a lot as he decided to opt it out of this 2020 season. Nick Markakis is going to be a big piece that they do miss, but they still have, like I said, Acuna is going to be in right field. We all know that. Yep. They have Ender Enciarte and Marcelo Zuna, who are both going to be able to kind of take the lead uh, and replace uh, Markakis in a way. Yep. So for every team in the division, we're going to be going over an MVP, an X-Factor, and a Cy Young. So, Mr. Heenan, let me hear who you have as your pick for MVP of the Atlanta Braves this year. So usually in a normal season with COVID-free, I'd say it'd be a toss-up between Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. But since Freddie Freeman's on the fence, I decided to go with Acuna as my MVP. I completely agree. Yeah, he's coming off a year where he was one of the youngest to have a 40-40 year. And I mean, he's still only 22 years old, and he's one of the fastest players in the league, one of the most potent offensive bats in the league. If Freddie Freeman was able to play a full year, and like we could confirm that, I would also have him as an MVP. But yep. Ronald Acuna is easily up there as well. He's only getting better too, which is a scary thing. It's a scary thing. A lot of people in the NL East are just getting better too. This. Mm. This whole division is extremely young, and they're only going to get better, and it's really scary. Yeah, best division fan. in baseball, I would say, then at least, for sure. 100%. Now, I wanted to talk about my X-Factor real quick, Marcelo Zuna. Mm-hmm. I mentioned him a moment ago as he can be a piece that helps step up in replace of Nick Markakis. And I have him as my X-Factor because he's kind of a streaky player. He goes sure. through stretches where he is an absolute – monster and goes on a tear where he'll have like two or three home runs in a week hit like seven for 15 in a series and then he goes on some slumps some extended slumps 
last year he had a 241 average and 29 home runs and 89 RBIs. So mm-hmm. that's something that's pretty solid. And I would absolutely think that the uh, Atlanta Braves would be huge fans of. But the yep. question is, what's that going to translate to in a 60-game season? Are you going to get an Ozuna where he's uh, striking out nine times in the series? Or are you going to get an Ozuna that's getting nine RBIs in the series? Yeah, he's a he's always been an interesting guy to me. The year before he got traded to the Cardinals, he had a monster year with the Marlins. and He, he was an all-star that year. He had a huge year with them. And then next year on the Cardinals, he was still a solid player. And then this past year, he just wasn't – I think worth what they traded for him, if you could say that. But if he gets off, in terms of, of in terms of bad average, and he struck yeah, out a lot. He did strike out a lot, and if he, I think if he gets up to a slow start this year, it's going to be, Braves fans might get a little testy with him. So it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you have as your Cy Young pick? I know it's hard to tell with this rotation just because there's so many arms to pick from, but let's yeah, hear what Cy- you have to say. So for my Cy Young, I decided to go with Mike Soroka. I thought that he stands out a little bit more above Hamels and Max Free, just based off his numbers from last year. So I think I expect him to have the same season and to be a strong number one in that rotation. I can definitely see him being number one in that rotation. I mean, he already had a fantastic uh, 2019 campaign. But my pick personally is going to be Cole Hamels. Mm-hmm. Cole Hamels is a piece that, really will be able to bring together the young guys on this rotation. It's going to be his first year in Atlanta uniform, and he is getting pretty old. He's 36 now. But he's been an extremely consistent pitcher throughout his whole career, and I expect nothing different this year. Even if he is not the best statistical pitcher, his veteran presence in that locker room and in that pitching staff will make every guy on that rotation better. And that's why statistically he might not be that Cy Young, but his impact is going to be felt on that team the entire year. I agree with that. I think it's nowadays it's a pitcher that will take the ball every five days and you know that he'll be out there for, I guess, in a 162-game season, he'll make 30 starts. A pitcher like that is so undervalued. So a guy like Cole Hamels on the land of this year should be huge, huge get for them. And you're going to expect him to be consistent. He's always been consistent throughout his career. Yep. There's been very few games in his career where he's blown up and just gotten kicked out of there in the third or fourth inning. You know that you're going to get solid at least five or six innings out of him, and you're not going to have to worry about playing from behind the entire game with him. Completely agree. Yep. So let's move on to the Miami Marlins. Speaking of young teams, they're another really young team, especially that started in rotation. Last year at the 60-game mark, they went 23-37, and 37, which would have been last in the National League at that time. The National League East, excuse me. Yep. But this year, they're going to be going against a much harder schedule than they had in that first 60 games because you got to factor in that they're playing the NL East and they're playing the AL East exclusively. And the AL East, aside from the Orioles, is another fantastic division. Yeah. I think the Marlins will – it's going to be another learning year for them. They're, those young guys are going to get another – I think the 60 games benefits them in a way that's kind of a no, no pressure season for them. I think no one's expecting them to win, and they could just go out there and kind of develop a little bit more and kind of come ready for next year. They're definitely a team that's in a rebuilding stage, but not necessarily rebuilding in terms of the farm system because they do have the young pieces that are up here. You have Sandy Alcantara at the start of the rotation. You have Caleb Smith also up there. Jorge Jorge Alfaro is really young. Jesus Aguilar, he turned 30, but he'll be one of the uh, older guys. 
He's one of the older Brian guys. Brian Anderson in the is a good bat to build around for them. So, I mean, that's on that note, I think my that's why I picked Brian Anderson to be my MVP. I think he's – the past two years, honestly, he's been pretty consistent for them and by far has been their best hitter. And I expect him this 60 games to just really work on himself, knowing that they're not going to win and try to have a big year. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be such a – short sample size where players are going to be able to put up crazier numbers where mm-hmm. I mean people are talking about someone being able to hit 400 I don't necessarily think Brian Anderson's going to be able to do he's anything not that guy, but... near that he's not a contact hitter but you can maybe see him putting up in a 60 game season maybe 15 20 home runs and sure. yep. 35 RBIs if he does that and I'm a Mar- if I'm a Marlins fan and he does that I would be, be pretty impressed. Yeah, I'd be very excited going into the next season if he puts those numbers up this year. So I also have him as my MVP. Now, before we get on to our X Factor, I did want to say the only thing that – well, not the only thing, but one of the things that bothers me with this team is you look at their roster and you don't really see anyone that's that much of a veteran presence uh, in the terms where they could take leadership and kind of help develop guys. Yep. Corey Dickerson and Francisco Cervelli are the only two guys that – I would consider calling a veteran leader. Yep. So they, the Marlins in the past have brought in those veteran guys that can just guide the younger players to take their next step. They had Curtis Granderson past season. They had Ichiro for a while. And I think they're going to miss that this year. And hopefully next season going in, they're going to add something like that to develop some of these younger guys. But I think Cervelli will be a good, good influence on Alfaro so he could step it up and become an elite catcher. Sure. I mean, this year they might uh, not develop as much as they did last year because in addition to who you had just said, they also have Sarlon Castro, Neil Walker, yep. and Martin Prado, who both who are all three of them could have helped develop players and just teach the younger guys exactly how to play, how to act in a clubhouse. That veteran presence will be missed. And the players might not develop as much as you would like them to if you're a Marlins fan. Mm-hmm. But Many guys in our roster are under the age of 20 or are under the age of 30, excuse me. And three or four years from now, the Marlins might actually be a team that can be thought to be a contender. Yeah, once they find that one guy that they can really build around, I think they're good. They should be all right. They have, they got the pieces for mm-hmm. sure. Now, that guy could have been Jose Fernandez, but man, rest in peace. Rest in peace, he to him, yeah. Definitely. was an absolute monster. And ever since then, the, the franchise just. It's been in a it's been in a down downward spiral to say the least. Yeah, that's such an unexpected thing to deal with. It's kind of threw the whole plans off once he sadly passed. They had to they didn't have to, but they traded Stan, they traded Yelich, Ozuna, D. Gordon, mm-hmm. and the rest is kind of history. Now they're kind of restarting the cycle. Yeah. Hope, hopefully, find another talent like that. It was because they were in a tough place. They had to try and figure out how to deal with it, and they obviously didn't really deal with it in what we would call the correct way. But maybe a few years from now, we'll be biting our tongues. And an X factor, because we, we had gotten a bit off topic, but who I would say their X factor would be is Jonathan VR. He's an interesting guy who has been relatively consistent, but he hasn't put up as much uh, run production as you'd like him to earlier in his career. Last year was his first year where he had over 70 RBIs, and it was actually his first full season of 162 games also. Yep. He was a he was a pretty consistent guy last year. I think the Marl if he has that value for the Marlins this year, it's gonna be interesting to see. I think he could 
definitely up his stock a little bit more. He was always up and down with the Brewers and then kind of Baltimore. He really, I think he took a really big step being able to play 162, which is not an easy thing for anyone to do. And it's weird to think that someone took such a big step in Baltimore because they don't have any bats in the lineup. And he put up 24 home runs and 73 RBIs last year. I know the balls were a bit juiced, but those are still fairly impressive numbers, really especially impressive, when you yeah. have no other protection in your lineup. So if he can replicate something similar to that, he'll be a big key piece to the Marlins lineup. But that's a question mark, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I also uh, decided to go with the position player as my X factor, and I picked Lewis Brinson, who has been, who Marlins fans have been waiting for the past two years to turn into that star that they expected. So he was acquired for, he was the main piece acquired for Christian Yelich when they traded him to the Brewers. And he has not even come close to living up to those expectations. He has really had trouble. He has strikeout issues. He doesn't hit for average. And he just has not shown that promise that he showed in the minors. So hopefully in the 60-game season, like I said, there's a little less pressure and he could just kind of focus on cutting down strikeouts and that average up and really getting back to that player he was he was once. Anything can happen in the six-game season. He just needs to go on a hot streak. And at the young, relatively young age of 26, he still has time to develop where you know, the Marlins aren't going to get those tweets from the Brewers saying thank you for that uh, yep. Christian Yelich trade. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now let's move on to uh, our Cy Young. The, their rotation isn't actually that bad, especially for – like we had said earlier, losing Jose Yeah, Fernandez. it's definitely better than people think. Especially because it's also relatively young. Uh, who do you make your pick for the Cy Young? So I went with the their lone all-star last year was Sandy Alcantara. I think he was a guy that actually came out of nowhere last year and really surprised a lot of people. And I, I think he's got a little confidence going with him coming into the season. So he should build off that last season, hopefully have a strong 12 starts or – 11 to 12 starts this season. I had Sandy Alcantara too, especially because he's only going to be 24. And we saw what he did last year. He put up 388 ERA, which is, isn't anything to completely write home about, but it's pretty solid. It's, uh, it's solid enough. Um, he almost had 200 innings pitched, so he can get those innings that he needs. Yep. And if I were to pick someone other than Alcantara, uh, have an honorable mention, I'd have to give it to Caleb Smith. Now, he had a 4-5-2 ERA, which isn't great, especially in the NL. But that could be attributed to his 33 home runs. And you might be thinking, how do you give up 33 home runs in Marlins Park? Well, as we know, the home runs were absolutely out of control last year. The ball was insane. So as long as he can get that down, which I think will be aided if they change the ball and bring it back to normal, he can be a phenomenal – maybe not phenomenal, but he can be a – productive pitcher in a league. Yeah, he cuts down on home runs. I think Miami's got they, – they got something to build on with Alcantara and Smith going forward. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to our favorite team, the New York Mets. Yes, sir. Yep. New York Mets came off a relatively disappointing season last year where they were just a few games out of the uh, wild card. I'm not going to get that much into it. But yeah, in a season where there's even a smaller sample size – and the games matter a little bit more. It's going to be the pressure is going to be on because last year they realized that if they had won just a couple more extra inning games, like the 
series that they lost right after the All-Star break to the San Francisco Giants or yeah. a 16-inning game early in the season against the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, or the heartbreaker to the Nationals, blowing an eight-run lead in the ninth. Just little stuff like that. If they cut out, they should definitely be pretty good. But the pressure is going to be on because they need to realize that they can't make those mistakes anymore. And they've been prone to mistakes in the past. And the core of this team is almost the exact same. The, the lineup staying almost the exact same with the exception of a couple uh, bench pieces like Jake Marisnik. Yeah, uh, and the starting rotation's the same, except center guard's going to be hurt. And uh, as a result, both Michael Walker and Rick Porcello are going to be making their way into the rotation. Yeah, those and, are, I thought, underrated additions this offseason. People – I was honestly a little confused adding – when we added Waka and Porcelain, I was like, well, we're going to have six guys going into the season. But as, as we all know, as Mets fans, you know, injuries happen. So once Syndergaard went down, I was, I'm pretty happy that we added those two guys. We'll be ready to roll. Yeah, injuries always happen, especially with the Mets. But I was definitely – I'm a real big fan of the Michael Waka signing because if he's healthy, he's still only 29. And we saw what he did, especially in his earlier years with the Cardinals. When he's healthy, he's – a solid option. He's a very he would solid be a two-starter on most teams. Definitely. And I think people forget Rick Porcello won a Cy Young two years ago. I mean, he had a very bad year last year. And I think, like you said, the juice baseballs, the home runs being out of control, that definitely accounted for some of that. But if he could bounce back, I mean, our rotation is looking very, very solid. Not to mention it, the addition of Dylan Batances that should only strengthen the bullpen. Yeah, exactly. And I think Edwin Diaz – is I don't have him as any of my X factors or anything, but he could have a bounce back year. And if he does, that Mets bullpen, which ranked towards the bottom of the league last year, is starting to look much, much more frightening because you have Patances, you have Diaz, you have Seth Lugo, and you Justin have Justin Wilson. Wilson. Yep. I think Diaz hopefully has that little, a little nervousness he had coming in the last season about playing in New York. Making the jump from Seattle to New York is a lot. And I think he got, that for, he got that first season under his belt. He should be ready to rock come opening day. And hopefully he'll be the pitcher that he was 2018. Exactly. And I know a lot of people hate on that uh, the trade a couple of years ago because Kleinak's been doing really well in the minors so far. Yeah, for sure. But it was the right deal at the time because in 2018, the Mets bullpen was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. So what did the new GM, Brody Van Wagner, do? He went out there and he got the best closer of 2018. It's not his fault that it didn't live up to what I'm, he thought it would. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to fault a guy who's trying to win. Like, as a Met fan, we've suffered through so many losing seasons, so many talks about let's keep rebuilding. I love that his first year he went out and tried to make the team instantly better. And, yeah, it didn't work out right away. But, you know, they, these guys still have a lot of years left on their contract. And, you know, let's, hopefully they'll bounce back this year. Mm-hmm. Now, something we haven't talked about at the Mets yet this, uh, so far is their lineup. Their yes. lineup's going to be absolutely filthy this year, I, I think. Now, I'm a little biased, but I think with uh, Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonso, Mike Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, uh, J.D. Davis. Uh, excuse me, J.D. Davis. I knew his name. I was blanking for some reason. Mm. But uh, Yoannis Cespedes, although I'm not – I'm a little hesitant on Yoannis Cespedes, but that lineup with just those six guys, not even including uh, Ahmed Rosario, Robinson Cano, or um, – Tra- uh, Excuse yeah. me, Dom Smith or Wilson Ramos. Mm-hmm. This could be one of the better lineups in the league. This has been one of the most excited I've been for a Mets lineup coming into the season. It's it's really hard to see a whole one through nine now that we have the universal DH. I think it's a very strong lineup from top to bottom. There's a lot of interesting combos. 
that they could work with. They could do Nimmo leading off. Uh, McNeil, Rosario is even an option. So I think Luis Ross has a lot to he's, – he's going to have to put a lot of thought penciling in that lineup every day for sure. He's got a lot of good options. It's definitely well-rounded, and that also gives him a bunch of guys on the bench uh, if he needs a pinch hitter because Dom Smith isn't going to be playing every single day. Cespedes isn't. J.D. Davis isn't going to just because there isn't enough room. So yeah. if you could have those guys coming off the bench, that's absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, Brody, Brody did a good job about not having the – I want to call it the Aaron Altair, Rajay Davis effect of last year. We brought in some veterans like Eduardo Nunez, Matt Adams, Jake Marizdick you mentioned. So I think there's going to be guys that when people need a day off or if we need a big pinch hit, we're going to have quality options to go to from the bench. Mm-hmm. And that's enough talking about the Mets line because we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, too much an entire – NLE's video, but uh, who is going to be your MVP for the Mets? So for the Mets, I know the trendy pick and probably the obvious pick would be Pete Alonzo, but I decided to go with Jeff McNeil, and my reasoning for that is he can absolutely rake. He, I think everyone's talking about the guy who can hit 400 in the 60-game season. Jeff McNeil is that guy for sure. He, if anyone's going to do it in MLB, it's going to be him. He even was talking about it himself earlier. He was... Uh, let me pull up the quote real quick. So he was talking about it earlier. He was like, it would be nice. I've got 60 games to go out there and get as many hits as possible. Hopefully by the end of the year, it's 400. So that's the type of confidence I like in my second, third outfielder, whatever you want to call him. Super my utility, utility player. Super squirrel. utility. Um, so you went with Conforto. And I, I mean, excuse me, not Conforto. You went with... Jeff McNeil, and I completely understand that pick. He is one of the better contact hitters in the league, and he's aggressive. He doesn't he doesn't really wait for uh pitch right down the middle. He's got such a good bat where he can hit the ball no matter where it is, as long as it's in the strike zone. Yeah, he's, I think that's a great quality to have. Yeah, he's kind of the he went in the opposite direction of the new hitter, I guess, the new generation hitter. All, all these guys are about launch angle and hitting the ball out of the park, but McNeil is all about hitting for average, making contact, and he, I like how he takes a lot of pride in not striking out, so that's, that's a refreshing, mm-hmm. it's a refreshing thing to see for sure. Now, I know you had called this the trendy pick, but it's also going to be my pick. My mm-hmm. pick for the MVP is Pete Alonso. We saw what he could do with the pet last year, 53 home runs and 120 RBIs. It's just absolutely insane. If the Mets get someone that is even half of what he did last year and then prorated for his 60-game season. That's still yep. 12, 14 home runs, like 45 RBIs in a 60-game season. That's not terrible either. Yeah, I expect Pete to pick off right where he left off. I mean, there's no reason why he should have a sophomore slump. He's been working hard. He looks good in the little bit of spring training we saw. So if he, like you said, has a little bit or half the season he had like last year, he'll have a huge impact. That's because he's the type of guy that does not take any days off. I mean, he played in 161 games last year, and I assume that translates over the offseason. He's going to be always working hard and putting his best work out there. Yep, I expect him to see him out there for all 60. There's no reason why he shouldn't be out there. Mm-hmm. Now, another person who uh, is on the Mets, who I would actually consider my X Factor, is someone who also gets a lot of games. Uh, he has had over 150 games each of the last two seasons, and that's Michael Conforto. I'm going to consider my X Factor because we saw how good he was when he played in 2017, how good he was last year. But then he had a 
down year in 2016 and in 2018. You're not entirely sure what you're going to get with him because his last three seasons, 2017, he had a 279 average, then 2018, he had a 243, which is a quite a big drop off. But then last year, he rebounded and went to a 257. His on base percentage also followed a similar suit, same thing with OPS. So, as long as he can do what he did in either 2017 or 2019, where he had 92 RBIs last year, the Mets are going to be in really good shape. But you don't want a 2016 or 2018 Conforto. I agree. I think I've always been a huge Conforto fan and supporter since he de- debuted in 2015. He just has one of the smoothest swings, I think, in MLB. And he's always on the cusp of becoming the ne- one of the next best players in our game. And I think he's due to – not I wouldn't say break out because he's a very solid player, but if he finds that consistency with maybe three seasons in a row, people are going to start recognizing how solid he is. Mm-hmm. Especially because, I mean, he had a, the All-Star game a few years ago. People, he's already on a lot of people's radar, but it's not to the level that it could be. Yep, and when he's clicking, he's he's a game-changer for the Mets. And talking about game-changing, Conforto was talking about my X-Factor, Jonas Cespedes, who he quoted, this is a quote from Conforto, said Cespedes looks like a monster in this, tra- this training camp 2.0. So I decided to pick assessment as my X factor just because if you even get 75% of the version he was in 2015, 2016, that is a huge boost to this lineup. Now I spoke earlier about how I'm a little skeptical about, uh, about Cespedes. And that's just because even when he was playing in 2017, he wasn't the most consistent player. Let's be honest. He had oh, yeah. streaks where he would have, two or three series where you'd only get two or three total hits uh, in total between those series. He'd mm. strike out a lot, but then he had the potential to have a run like he did in those 57 games when he was in the Mets uh, in 2015. So it's just a question as to which Jonas Cespedes you're going to get and how reliable is it that you're going to be getting a Cespedes like in 2015 or 2016 when he's going to be 34 years old, he's been out of baseball completely for two years, and he hasn't had a full season in four years. Yep. It's a really big question. But there, def- yeah, there definitely is a bunch of red flags on him. But with this new rule with the NL Universal DH, Cespedes is just all he has to do is hit. And that's what he's best at for sure. So he should be able to thrive in that role. And I totally expect him to. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you do miss that extremely strong arm in the outfield. But as long as it keeps him from getting injured and it doesn't take as much of a toll on his body, so he may be able to actually stay healthy and as long as he's not worrying about being hurt that just takes a it keeps him in better physical and mental health you shouldn't really have anything to worry about hopefully in theory yeah for sure definitely definitely hope to see him out there uh and then we know who our Cy Young is it's gonna be Jacob DeGrom yeah this is, this is the no, biggest no-brainer all these predictions DeGrom is definitely the favorite for his third Cy Young not much that would to be say crazy about him. three in a row yeah so let's move on, since we're all uh, caught up on that part. We all agree on everything. Yep. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's do it. At the 60-game mark last year, they were tied for first place with the Braves at 33-27. and 27. Uh, Over the offseason, they had made some pretty good moves. My favorite, uh, from a pure baseball standpoint, was uh, getting rid of Gabe Kapler for Joe Girardi. I mean, Yes, that was huge. I wish we had him uh, with the Mets. But they also got uh, Didi Gregorius. Josh Harrison, 
Francisco Liriano, Zach Wheeler. It was the biggest name they got in the offseason in terms of uh, actual players. But all those guys are going to be able to contribute fairly well and get uh, and help a team that just missed the playoffs last year, hopefully make the playoffs this year. Yeah, they had a very solid offseason. I think they – I feel like they added in odd spots. Their lineup, I thought, was not really the issue with them. Their bullpen, to me, is still – maybe even weaker than the Marlins bullpen. And definitely, it's a big hole. They didn't do much to patch it up. The Zach Wheeler signing definitely is was a huge for them, taking away a pitcher from their NL East rival, the Mets. But with this season coming up, it's going to be interesting to see how big of an impact Wheeler has due to the fact that his wife is expecting a child, that he, and he came out and said that he's going to miss at least two starts to go be with his wife at the birth of their child. So definitely something to follow during the season. And we all know that it's possible that he'll completely opt out in general, just because yeah, he's not really sure how he, he's not going to be sure how he feels until she has the actual baby. Even though exactly. he hasn't been as outspoken about it as, say, Bryce Harper has been, you you still don't know. There's definitely a big possibility that once his wife has that baby, he stops playing for the rest of the year because he wants to keep both his wife and the baby safe. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, this lineup is a lineup that doesn't really focus much on contact and getting the ball in play. They focus a lot more on the long ball. And that's pretty apparent with, I mean, having Bryce Harper out there, having Reese Hoskins, uh, Jay Bruce, even JT Realmuto to an extent. Yeah, they're all – I think the Phillies value home runs more than contact. And a reason for that is Citizens Bank Park is a bandbox, how short it is. It's very easy to do that The ball flies out of there. So, I think they built their team – to the way they built their ballpark, and it makes sense for sure. It does make a lot of sense. Now, let's get right into the um, discussion about how their rotation is. We talked about how good the Mets and the Braves rotations are, and we touched upon for a moment how the Nationals rotation is, but we haven't even talked about how the Phillies rotation is. This kind of uh, got skipped by us real quick. Yeah. I think it's it's fair to say that it's a question mark. Aaron Nola should be – you know, the horse of that rotation, he'll make his 12 starts the 60-game season and be that guy at the top. But with Zach Wheeler being up in the air, it really puts a lot of pressure on the guys three through five, such as Jake Arrieta, who had a bounce, who had a rough season last year. Nick Pavetta, who's been up and down. Vince Velasquez, who has not been consistent. So if those guys, I guess, figure it out, they should have a solid rotation. But for now, big question mark of their team. It's definitely – got the potential where if everyone does what they're completely capable of, where they could be a very solid uh, rotation, where maybe not as good as the Braves or the Nationals or even the Mets rotations, but they could be in the discussions of being close to them if everyone does what they're expected to do. But that the chances of that aren't extremely high. So like you said, it is a question mark, and it's really up in the air as what's going to happen. Yeah, I think they're going to have to rely on their lineup a lot, and they're going to have to put up lots of runs. Their bullpen, with that bullpen and that rotation not being a super strength, it's going to be – I we'll get into the predictions, but I don't expect them to be super strong of a team. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like how, how they started to fall off towards the back end of last year. I mean, with the wear and tear of the season, the pitching just started to give up a bit, especially towards the back end of the year. And that yeah, they, big, they, that was a big they completely issue. completely fell apart at the end. 
at least with a smaller season, the pitching isn't going to be uh, as, let's say, as worn down towards the end of the year. They'll still have a lot of energy. So that could be something that helps the Phillies in the small, in the shorter season. But that's yet to be uh, seen, especially with the really tough schedule that they will be playing. Yeah, I agree for sure. So now let's get into our MVPs. Let's My pick for uh, MVP was JT Realmuto. I don't think there's much question about it. He's a top two catcher in the league, and he's not number two. I think that at the age of 29, he's going to be able to put up <laughs> as good numbers as he's had in the past, where he's had over 70 RBIs, over 20 home runs past couple of years, a solid average, solid slugging percentage, solid everything. And he's going to be able to be a workhorse so to speak, uh, catcher, where he's going to be putting up 120, well, obviously in a shorter season, that's probably going to be at least 50 games or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's everything you want in a catcher. He can throw, he could frame, he could hit, he could run, and he is going to be a very, very, very coveted piece come this offseason after the season. So, um, yeah, I expect big things out of him for sure. Was he your pick for MVP? So he was not. I decided to go with the Mr. Three Hundred Thirty Million, Bryce Harper. And oh, that he, guy. So he had. I guess he had a good year last year, but a lot of people, including myself, criticized him because he is not putting up the numbers that a person played that paid that high should be putting up. So I expect him to be. He he definitely hears the critics. He listens to it. So he's gonna want to bounce back and put up a strong season and want to definitely silence the people who are hating on him. Mm -hmm. I personally put him as my X-Factor player. I know, it's, I know it's weird to be saying. He's uh, one of the better fielding players in the MLB, and he's one of the better hitters in the MLB. But especially the first half of last year, he wasn't doing too hot. He rebounded a lot in the second half, but the first half of the year, his average was like below 240, I believe. Yeah, it was not and, good. And although he did bounce back later in the year, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in a smaller sample size because, again, he's as good as he is and as much run production as he can get. He's not the most consistent player. He has some streaks here and there. Yeah, he's always been a guy that – he had that one MVP season in 2015, I believe. It's an absolutely insane season. I'm and not he just lie. hasn't been able to live up to that. I feel like he's definitely – the pressure's got to him a little bit. And if he just relax and just enjoys the game, I think he's going to be right back towards the top as one of the top players in the game. Because well, he's also one of the most heated players in the league. So he, yep. he, he especially cares. over the past few years, guy. especially over the past few years, he's really made himself known as one of those guys. And like you said, he just needs to take a brief deep breath sometimes, let all that go out of his head. Because sometimes it gets into his head because there have been times where he's gotten ejected uh, early in a game and then it stuck with him the next game for the next game or two, and he's had a bad rest of the series. Yeah, I think he's an easy guy to hate, and he – I don't know if he necessarily enjoys being a villain, mm -hmm. but he – there's not a lot of people in his circle. So if he starts acting like – if he wants to be a face of baseball, I think he can have it. It's just he needs to kind of start acting like it on the field. I think Trout's the better team for that guy just because he's a better player, and he's not seen as much of a hothead. I agree. I'm a huge Trout guy. Of course, everyone is. But uh, anyways, let's get to your X Factor. All right, my X Factor, I went with Andrew McCutcheon. And for my reasoning is he has always been 
I want to say he's been Mr. Consistent. Most of his career he's been completely healthy besides last year mm-hmm. when he got a freak ACL tear running in a pickle. And that's terrible. I hate to see such, it to a guy like such him. Such a freak thing. And honestly, that was – for me, that's where the Philly season kind of started to fall apart. So, with mm-hmm. him, if he's healthy and able to produce like he used to back in that lineup, should make it a pretty strong lineup. Should be one of the best in the NL East. Yeah, but that's a big question. Just because he's getting older now, he is uh, 33 years old now. He's getting towards the back end of his prime. And an ACL injury isn't always the easiest to come back from, especially if you're a guy that, like he has, relied on his speed for a decent amount of his career. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back. I think this time off definitely benefits a guy like him, and he should be close to 100% and ready to rip once the season starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let's take our Cy Young picks. I think you probably have the same guy as I do, but I picked yep. Aaron Nola. Yeah, Aaron Nola, no-brainer pick, I think. Mm-hmm. Stand the rest in their rotation. Most of this uh, this division has no-brainer picks. I, I don't think we really need to explain much about him. I mean, he's top three in the Cy Young voting two years ago. Last yep. year, he didn't have as great of a year, but he still has a potential, especially at his younger age, to do pretty well in this league. Yeah, he's finished top three, I believe, in the Cy Young voting, like, past two, yeah, two or three years. So, yeah, he's been a consistent guy that the Phillies have been able to rely on, and I expect him to be that guy coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to the Washington Nationals, the final team for us to go over in this Spending episode. Chance. It's actually a bit longer than we thought it would be. Yeah. Now, like you had just said, they're the reigning champs, and they relied heavily on that starting rotation, but they also relied heavily on the bat of Anthony Rendon, and that bat, safe to say, is going to be really missed this year. Yeah, I agree. I've been looking at that lineup with the additions they've had, such as Eric Thames, re-signing Howie Kendrick, bringing in Starling Castro. So, I mean, they're trying to plug in these guys for him, but it's almost impossible to replace that production of a player of Anthony Rendon's caliber. So, I think they'll miss him in that lineup. They should be one of the top teams in the division with the, line, with the rotation they have. But the it's going to be interesting to see what their lineup does without Anthony Rendon, for sure. It's also going to be interesting to see what they do without Ryan Zimmerman because Ryan Zimmerman uh, just decided to opt out last week yep. because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Now, something that it does open the opportunity up for, though, it opens up a lot of playing time for Howie Kendrick. And Howie Kendrick was someone that was really underappreciated with the Nationals last year. I mean, he hit 344, 17 home runs and 62 RBIs in 121 games. His OPS was 966 last year, and he wasn't really touted as someone that was that valuable, but clearly he is one of the more underappreciated guys in the MLB and in that locker room. Yeah, Howie Kendrick quietly had arguably one of the best seasons for the, in his career on the Nationals last year, and he, he was a guy they had to resign. He, you could argue that he won them that game seven. He hit that go-ahead home run off Will Harris, I want to say the seventh inning, and that was – I mean, that was huge. Howie, that was Kendrick, Howie Kendrick. I would never guess of him be the guy to come through, but he's been he's been solid ever since he got to Washington. Yeah, and that was I mean he's been huge for that team ever since he came from the Phillies at the point. And he's not necessarily he's not my MVP for them. That goes to I think anyone can predict this. See this coming from a mile away, but that goes to Juan yep. Soto. Yeah, one of the be. probably the best twenty-one year old in the major leagues right now. 
Yeah, Juan Soto is going to be a pain in our Mets' side, I think, for a while going forward. He is mm-hmm. a special, special talent. And it's honestly unbelievable to see how a franchise like that can go from a guy for Bryce Harper, who's like everyone thinks – well, everyone knows he's a once-in-generation talent too. Yeah. Juan Soto, who's looking like he's going to be maybe better even than Bryce Harper. So, he's definitely – he's also my MVP pick, and I expect him to only get better. Like you said, he's only 21. He's got a lot of developing to do. And the fact that his 162-game average so far at the young age of 21 is 34 home runs and 110 RBIs should say enough itself. Now, I'm not a big fan of his whole sort of shuffle. To me, it's just, like, really cringy. But yeah, that's a little if, much for me, too. I don't know how I feel about that. If there's a guy that has earned the right to do that and deserves to do it, he's the guy. Yeah, I agree. He's got – I like the swag he's got to him. I got to respect it. I mean, couldn't see myself doing a Soto shuffle if I was a baseball player, but you know what? I'm not going to hate on mm-hmm. him. Let the kids play, I guess. Mm-hmm. Was he also your MVP? I did. I went with Juan Soto. I mean, he's – it's tough to pick anyone else on that team to be the MVP. He's that. He's the guy of that team now. He's maybe not really a leader is. yet, but he's, he's the powerhouse in that lineup. Yeah, he has turned into that. Mm-hmm. Now – the weak spot of that Nationals, def- uh, Nationals team last year was easily that bullpen. I mean, the yes. bullpen was supposed to be led by Sean Doolittle, but he didn't have a great year. I mean, he was, in terms of uh, in terms of saves, he only had 29 saves. And I, I don't know the uh, number of opportunities off the top of my head, but he blew a lot of saves. And his ERA for a closer was 405. But we saw he had, was an all-star in 2018. He has the potential to be a phenomenal closer, one of the best in baseball, which is why I'm making him my X factor. Yeah, that's a solid pick, like you mentioned about that bullpen. And the Nationals bullpen has not been a strength from them for the past five years when they've been playoff teams. That honestly cost them maybe one or two more World Series. But bringing in a guy like Doolittle and making him be – he's been successful, I want to say, the last two years. Like you said, last year was a little bit up and down. If he's that guy that on the back of the bullpen they can rely on, alongside Daniel Hudson or even Will Harris, who they just brought in. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be a pretty feared bullpen back three. I do like that Will Harris uh, pickup, even though he is 35, 36. Yeah, if so, they are still in a win now, which they obviously are going to be, that's a big move to get. Yeah, that's a little can't beat him, join him swap. Gave up the home run on the Kendrick and then joined the Nats. It really is. But now I guess he and Kendrick are going to be best buds. Yeah, I mean – I'm sure that'll be an interesting conversation when those two meet, but it definitely you know, a, will be. But definitely a good pickup for them. And uh, all, going off the X factor of yours, I decided to go in a little bit different direction, and I had two guys sharing this X factor category. I went with Trey Turner and Adam Eaton, and my reasoning for this is when those two are in the top of that Nats lineup, it is they are very, very hard to deal with. When those two get on base, it's, they're going to run all over the place, and they can just cause hey. Uh, uh, what's the word? Chaos. Chaos around the bases, yeah. So, yeah, I think if those two are on the field together and healthy, which they haven't done for a lot of time the past two years, that, that's going to be a big big boost to that team. They're two of the fastest guys in the league. They play an older style of ball, but that does work with this team. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think uh, they, got the, they play a little small ball, which I like. I like that too. I'm always an old, I'm more of an old school type of guy, but I like the small ball. Yep, for sure. 
Uh, and then we've got our Cy Young pick. Um, I'm definitely going to be picking, um, what's his name? Uh, Anwal Sanchez as my Cy Young. Anwal no, Sanchez is your Cy Young? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm picking Max Scherzer. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I thought we were on the same page, a little no-brainer with Max Scherzer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, th- I mean, this one was a little bit closer between Strasburg and Scherzer, I guess, coming off Strasburg's postseason. But yeah, because Strasburg I mean, Scherzer, had an amazing – Scherzer's season. that guy. You can't really pick against him. He's going to do his thing, and that's why he's one of the best in the game. And he always finishes up there in a scion voting. Yep. But, um, yeah, that rotation is going to be really solid once again. I think it – Yeah, I, I think the best in NL East, I hate to say it, but one through probably three. Probably is. Even your guy, Annabelle Sanchez, at four at number four, that's a, that's a good rotation, one through five. It is a good rotation to have him at number four. I think – I'd probably put the Braves rotation above theirs, but it's a close second. Yeah, I agree. It's a, I'd probably go Nats, probably go Nats, Mets, Braves for my top three in the division. But I mean, you could argue with different. You could different argue it either way. Combos with yeah, it's it's a toss mm-hmm. up. It is a toss up, but uh, now that we've gone over, we've relatively gone over each team. Let's go over our standings. Uh, we like really, to yeah. discuss your standings first. Yeah. So with. My NL East, I, I guess this could sound a little biased, but I had my I had the Mets at first at thirty nine and twenty one. Really? Behind, behind them, I had them coming in, the Nationals at thirty eight and twenty two. Okay. While while them making the playoffs as the wild card team, as the home wild card team, coming behind them, I had them the Braves actually having a down year this year at twenty six and thirty four, and I'll get into my reasoning for that after I go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. After that, Phillies at 35 and 25, uh, 35, 25 and 35, and then Marlins at 18 and 42. So, yeah, those are that's my projections for okay. Um, I'll go over mine, I guess, since you just yeah. went over yours, and then we could yep. talk about it. Um, I actually had the Atlanta Braves in first place, 38 and 22. Okay, it's gonna be a little bit of a discussion that we'll have in a bit because I know that we have a little bit of disagreement here. Yep. Um, then in second place, I actually had the Nationals and the Mets tied at 36 and 24. Um, I don't – I'm just looking here real quick. They, at least in my predictions, they both went 5-5 five and five against each other, so neither team would have the tiebreaker. Yeah. And just a little spoiler alert, I also have the Milwaukee Brewers for 30, uh, at 36 and 24. So it'll be interesting to see, in my scenario, how uh, – the two wildcard teams will be determined. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to be a toss-up this year. It's going to be a close wildcard race in the NL this year. But uh, then I had the Philadelphia Phillies in fourth place, 13 games behind the Braves at 25 yeah. and 35. Mm-hmm. And I had the Marlins in last place at 19 and 41. Yeah, I mean, I I think the only spot I guess we agree, disagree on is where we place Atlanta and where we play, I guess the top three is the mm-hmm. debate between us two. Well, because we switched the Mets and the, and the Braves. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's hear what you have to say about the Braves. So my reasoning for the Braves being low, I know I've said before that they're usually slept on, but this year I feel like it's just so too many question marks around the team. I think Nick Markakis and even the new addition of Felix Hernandez, him opting out is going to hurt them. Because they're mm-hmm. – I know you love the rotation. You think – you like them one through five, but I feel like it's yes. a little bit of a question mark. Because Cole well, Hamels, maybe at the number five spot. Yeah, Tuki Toussaint not being completely healthy right now. Cole Hamels being a little bit of a question mark. Max Freed, I don't think he's established himself enough. That rotation, I think, is not a strength. 
And then my main reason why I put them low is if Freddie Freeman misses, Freddie Freeman and Will Smith miss significant time with the COVID virus, it's going to be, I don't know if they could really hold the ship down without those two. Those are two, I think, one of the most important pieces of that team. Now, we had touched upon that earlier where that's the big factor, especially since the Mets and the Braves play in the uh, first series of the year. But Mm -hmm. my standings are still going off of the fact that uh, Freddie Freeman will be available because we're still two weeks out and the virus could easily run its course by then. And if he's in the lineup, I think that the Mets could definitely only win one game that series if Freddie Freeman's in that lineup because they're not going to have to worry about uh, facing Tucson and maybe if Will Smith's not there then it could be a problem but if Freeman and Will Smith are there I can only really see the Mets winning one maybe two in that front series but if all three of them are out they could get a sweep and that turns the tide because the Mets right now I say would be two games out if Freeman and Tucson and Smith are not healthy and not able to play those two games that they win will turn tides and the Mets will be in first place and the Braves will be tied for second, two games out. So yeah, it's this, really yeah. a big question mark. It, yeah. With this 60 game format now that we got, every game is just so important. So if those two are out to start the season and they just start slipping the start of the year, there might not be time to recover. So I, my predictions are based off that. I don't think they're going to be ready to, for the start of the season. That's okay. I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable mark that, my predictions are off if they play in years or if they don't play. Um, and it really hurts the Braves that they're not playing a weaker team uh, in that first game. If they're playing, the, say, the Orioles or the Phillies even, or the Marlins, obviously, yep. they don't have to worry nearly as much because maybe the Phillies just a little bit because the Phillies could be, an, uh, could be a sleeper team like we just yeah. talked about earlier. But if it was the Orioles or even the Marlins – they could probably get by and win that series without Freeman, without Will Smith. And the fact that they're playing the Mets, which is a much better team than either of the two I just mentioned, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're in the same division is And they'll get the ground on opening day, too. We're going to have to deal mm-hmm. with that. So, I mean... Especially because every game, you have to think about it, every game counts for two games in terms of standings because, like I said, the Braves were 38-22, and 22, and the Mets for 36 and 24 in my predictions. If the Mets won the first, if the Mets with uh, Freeman playing lost that first game, they'd be 38 and 22, 36 and 24. If Freeman wasn't playing, that game could turn to a win for the Mets, and then both teams would be 37 and 23. So instead of being two games behind, they're tied for first place. Mm-hmm. And for uh, my reasoning for putting the Mets towards the top, I'm, I, I guess I am a little bit biased, but uh, my main reason for putting them towards the top is I think a lot of people don't realize they were tie with the Dodgers for the best record from, I want to say it was like June 30th, first on of last year. They were tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the NL. So they're a team that you, you see when they get hot, they have the pieces that they can win ball games, And they did it without really a true closer. Diaz wasn't himself. Cano was mm-hmm. hurt all last year. J.D. Davis was still coming on the scene as a guy that pitchers will fear. So I think with all those guys building off the momentum of last year, I think this, I think the sky's the limit for them. I think the team could really, really compete and should be a World Series contender. Now that we're talking about the Mets, uh, and you talked about their really good record, they also don't have that freakish June schedule to worry about. Exactly, no, Mets, uh, no June slump that happens every year. 
any Mets fan knows that the Mets always go through a June slump every year. Uh, they always go like 10 and 20 or worse every single yeah. year. And it's absolutely crazy. Without a June in the season, the Mets don't have to worry about that. And we got no June and there's no West Coast road trip that always ends up biting us too. So mm-hmm. I think they're, they, they're putting themselves in a – I guess I know no one wants this whole COVID thing going on, but universal DH, no, no June, no West Coast trip. I like the Mets' chances. Mm-hmm. Now, I said this on a previous pod. I'm not a big fan of the universal DH. I'd rather pitchers hit. We're in okay. a Zoom call right now. You can see the Bartolo home run behind me. I love but, Bartolo, um, yeah. But as a Mets fan, it obviously benefits us. I'm not a fan of it as a baseball fan, but some teams are going to benefit more from it, and the Mets are one of those. Mets are definitely one of it. You could plug Cespedes in at the universal DH. You could put Dom Smith in. You could give Alonzo a day off his feet. You could give Cano a day off his feet. So. The Mets are the Mets, and I'd say even the Nationals are a team that will benefit a lot from this. And uh, might not be everyone's favorite, like yours, but like I think the Universal DH is helpful, and sadly it might be around to stay. No more, yeah. no more Bartolo home runs going forward. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But uh, I, I said all I need to say on this. Yeah, I think I uh, got all I got. I all I'd say. So I think the NL East could be an exciting division. Should be one of the best in baseball, and a lot. A lot of uh, good baseball to look forward to. I think so, too. I think there's easily going to be, even if my predictions are a bit off, I think there's at least going to be the top three teams are going to be within five games of each other. For sure. Yep. But uh, thank you for joining me, Mr. Heenan. It was a pleasure, as always. Justin, thank you for having me. It's always good talking baseball with some friends, so it's a good time. Of course. It is. And thank you, everybody, that decided to tune in and watch. And uh, we've got some more baseball content coming to you soon. We've got the NL Central NL West, AL Central, everything, AL East, AL West upcoming. Yep, so be sure, to be, on the lookout. be sure to be on the lookout for that, and baseball's back in less than two weeks.